0: Thank you for joining the podcast of Clifton Baptist Church in Forest, Mississippi. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by a message from our pulpit today. Thank you for joining us, and may God bless you. Our third message through Jonah tonight, and I anticipate that we will uh, uh, wrap it up uh, with Jonah chapter 4 next week. But since we have had a little bit of a break, I just want to recap real quickly what got us to this point so far. Uh, we, we learned very early on that the book of Jonah is about God. Um, it's not about a fish, not about a city, not even about a prophet. Uh, and we, we, I, I mentioned to you how uh, you can remove all those things from the story, but you cannot remove God from this story. You can substitute out a fish with something else. You can substitute out Jonah with somebody else. You can substitute out Nineveh with another city. But you cannot substitute out and replace God in this story. God is the consistency, and so God is what Jonah is all about. Um, and then we have, up to this point, we've seen the rebellion from Jonah, and I know this is uh, something that you all are all familiar with. But uh, we also saw, up to this point, the prepared fish, okay, that God. Uh, demonstrated and used in order to rescue Jonah. We talked about that to some degree, how it wasn't just, uh, you know, many people have tried to take this uh, text in Jonah and use it to, um, to to argue or to debate. But the fact of the matter is this was not just any ordinary fish. This was a prepared fish by God. And so that's kind of what we've seen so far. As we have left off in chapter 2, we've seen this prepared fish, and how at the end of chapter 2 in verse 10, it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And so that's where we left off. That's where we're going to pick up uh, tonight in chapter 3. And so before we do so, though, I just want to go back to the end of chapter 2 there and talk about this fish literally vomiting out Jonah because I... Uh, believe if, if God's word says that it, he vomited out Jonah, I believe he vomited out Jonah. And so I just want to go back in time. Can you just imagine for just a second what the people must have been saying about this? I mean, literally, I know we didn't have social media. We didn't have cell phones to pick up and call the, the closest person. We, there wasn't even landlines that we could call uh, someone on a home phone. But regardless, could you just imagine... Sitting there, looking around, maybe having a nice picnic by the water that day, having a sandwich with your loved one, and all of a sudden this great fish comes about and vomits out this man. What a sight that must have been. I mean, I just it would it's one of those deals and you may have had things in your life like this where no one would believe it. I mean you just you tell some things to somebody and they're like, No way, get out of here. Unless you've experienced it. You, it's it's hard to believe, but it happened, and here we are, and we know exactly through our study why it happened, and so we get to this place here in chapter three, and I, I just want us to focus in on the preaching this morning or tonight. Sorry, this morning tonight, it's all it's all runs together to me, but I want us to look at the preaching. Next week we're going to look at a little bit of pouting, but tonight in chapter three I want us to look at the preaching that we see here from. Jonah in chapter 3. Let's look first at just the first two verses together. And it says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So let's focus on the preaching here tonight. And through that, the first thing I want us to see in these first two verses are second chances. Point number one tonight, second Chances and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. You see that there in verse number one, the second time. Now I have to be honest with you. I'm not always the best at giving second chances. Okay, I I have to. uh, uh, That's something I have to work on. Uh, I'm not the best at giving second chances. However, truth of the matter is, and as we see here in Jonah chapter three, that the Lord Gave Jonah a second chance here. He said, hey, I'm, I'm going to speak to you for the second time. I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, I'm going to speak. And the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. Now, if we're also being honest, the, the truth of the matter is that some of us wouldn't be saved if God hadn't given us a second chance. Some of us wouldn't be in this church. Some of us wouldn't be married. Some of us wouldn't have a job. Some of us wouldn't be alive if God hadn't given us a second chance chance. So when we talk about that and when we look at that, that uh, it, it's kind of hard for us to argue the case of not giving a second chance. when we know flat out as clear as day, our God is a God of second chances. And we see that here through Jonah. that encourages me. Uh, it encourages me because I know I mess up and I know, uh, uh, that I do, and my, my wife can attest to that. And uh, I'm thankful for God and his second chances. You know, I grew up, uh, my father was an alcoholic, and I, I prayed for my father often. Uh, my family prayed for him, but I'm glad. I'm thankful. I praise the Lord that God saw fit for my dad to have a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. He could have just <laughs> taken my dad like that if he wanted to. So I'm thankful for second chances. I'm, I'm sure by this point, as Jonah's sitting here covered in vomit, literally, I know that's a great example that you want to think about right now. Hopefully, maybe you haven't eaten yet, but as he's sitting here, he's probably thanking God for a second chance. Now, a couple things I want us to focus on. The first thing is that uh, through this second chance is that God spoke to Jonah. He says, arise, go unto Nineveh that great city and preach unto it well a little deja vu here for Jonah right I mean he's already heard this before God's not telling him anything he hadn't already heard God's just giving him a second chance to hear it right maybe maybe you are uh, uh, more was a better child than I was, but if my mom told me something one time when I was a kid, she probably told me eight times. And so I think God just wanted to make sure, hey, Jonah, I'm going to give you a second chance, but I'm going to tell you the same thing I've already told you. Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it. Now, thankfully, Jonah had turned back to the Lord so God would once again speak to him through his word. God would speak to him through his word. Church, I want to ask you tonight, does God speak to you through his word? Think about that. Does he speak to you through his word? I've told you several times he's spoken to me through his word. Several times. One of those being the reason I'm here before you tonight. I, I, uh, when I was asking God... For um, to, to tell me clearly that I needed to come to Clifton Baptist Church, one of the main reasons and, and, and one of the reasons everybody else, anybody in their right mind would hesitate to move is what? Family, parents, right? My mom, my dad, that's natural, okay? But then, as I'm preaching through Matthew chapter 10, and, and God lays that out for me in Matthew chapter 10, and He pretty much tells me, hey, are you going to, uh, are you going to do uh, what your? Are you going to live your life for your parents? Are you going to live your life for me? I realized real quick that God was speaking to me through His Word. Does God ever speak to you through His Word? If if the answer to that question, and I'm not going to call you out on it. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and attest to a time. And I'm not talking about something God said through uh, to you through His Word 25 years ago. I'm talking about has God said anything to you through His Word recently? And if the answer to that is no, okay, then maybe like Jonah, we have some unfinished business in our heart. Maybe something that's unrepented of. Maybe something that, that is a stumbling block for us. Maybe something that's unrepented. Whatever the case may be, if God hasn't spoken to you through his word lately, maybe like Jonah, you have some unfinished business. So God spoke to Jonah. There was no denying it, there was no doubt of it. He clearly spoke to Jonah. So does God speak to you through his word? The second thing, God commissioned Jonah. He commissioned Jonah. He went back and he circled back around to what he would already told Jonah. And what I love about this message is that God didn't change his mind. God didn't change his mind. God didn't say, well, you know, I thought about this, Jonah, and... And 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 you know what you 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 weren't faithful to go to Nineveh to begin with so I'm really not going to let you do that I'm going to I'm going to bring you over here and I got this other task for you God didn't change his mind God knew from the beginning he wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh he knew he knew after he had been vomited out he knew he wanted him to go to Nineveh he did not change his mind and he sure didn't change his plan Yet through this story of Jonah, it's another great example of how God is forgiving His servants and He restores them to ministry and His work. We've seen it all through Scripture, right? Abraham fled to Egypt, right? Lied about his wife. God gave him another chance. Jacob lied to his father Isaac, remember that? But God restored him, used him to build a nation. Peter, we know that Peter denied Christ three times, right? And yet the Lord told him, follow me. Follow me. As encouraging as these turnarounds are, as hopeful as they are, as, as, as thankful as I am for second chances, what God is not intending is a sin pass. God doesn't say, hey, you get to just do whatever you want because I'm going to keep giving you second chance, second chance, second chance, right? If if uh, it it always um, blows my mind, and I've seen this, and 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 you know people like this, and and if you are one of these people, then we need to have another discussion. But it always uh, um, um, amazed me, you know, where. Sometimes there would be a marriage, and there would be a a break in trust in that marriage, and and someone would have an affair, would cheat on a spouse, whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, you would work through that, and they would pray about it and whatnot. And um, I I had somebody one time that that this circumstance was going on in their marriage and their lives, and... um, they decided to to forgive and to reconcile the marriage and et cetera, et cetera. You you get where I'm going at. Well, um, a little bit later on, it happened again. And then it becomes okay. Well, what are we going to do about this now? It's happened again. You know this and and uh, this person decided to forgive again and to reconcile the marriage and. Oh, hey, you, you can't force somebody or make somebody. You know, it's it's up to them. And, well, y'all can probably guess where I'm going with this. It wasn't too long. It happened again. And I thought, okay. You know, I mean, at some point here, uh, somebody's getting taken advantage of. And the forgiveness is getting taken advantage of. And so you have to be careful in saying, hey, I know God's going to forgive me of this before I even commit to it, or before I even do it, I know he's going to forgive me of this, so that makes it okay. No, it does not. It doesn't. And so even though God is a God of second chances, even though we've seen that through Jonah here, that doesn't mean that you abuse that. That's not what that means. God never intends for us to abuse that. God never says, well, you just go ahead and sin because you know the Lord's going to forgive you for it. That's not at all what the Bible teaches us. So not only did God commission Jonah, but God also challenged Jonah. He challenged Jonah four times. We see in this book that Nineveh is described as a great city. Describes it as a great city. We see that mentioned here again in verse 2. Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city. Now, it wasn't enough to just say Nineveh, right? Right? But we've seen all through Jonah, it's described as the great city. So with having that emphasis, that must have a great importance or else it wouldn't be there, right? But the the, the city of Nineveh and the reason for it being described as a great city is an accurate one. If you uh, if you were to go and study the city of Nineveh, and I'll, I'll hopefully spare you a little bit of that here. I'm going to give you some, some description, some statistics, and some... Geography of Nineveh, but Nineveh was a city of great history. It was also a city of great size. It was a large city. Uh, The total range of this town in diameter was about sixty miles. Okay, it was a large town, large area. Uh, We see that over uh, in Jonah chapter four verse eleven, and we'll get to that next week a little bit. But that's kind of where we get uh, how great. Uh, from, a, from a mile standpoint, the city is. But as you were to take that radius of 60 miles for Nineveh, and you could get pretty close into guessing that there would be somewhere around 600,000 people that live in this city of Nineveh. Now, you would get to that, uh, and, and that's, that's give or take, but it's, it would be pretty close to 600,000. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, again, Jonah chapter 4, verse 11 kind of gives us an inside peek of that. In studying Nineveh, you know that there would be, uh, in studying it, you see about 15 to 20 watchtowers that they would have in the area. And so based off of the amount of uh, watchtowers that they have, based off of the radius, uh, you would be able to come up with a conclusion that there would be roughly uh, 600,000 people in the city. So it was a big city, great city, large city. Uh, it was, it was uh, a city of great influence, we know that, that Nineveh uh, is a city that was one of the leading uh, powerful Assyrian empire. It was built near uh, the Tigris River, and, and, and it had uh, multiple rivers. You know, in, in biblical times, you know, any town that was uh, near a river or a waterway of sorts uh, would be one of larger population, obviously, because that was the, one of the greatest uh, ways for transportation of the time, was by the waterway, and so it just so happened geographically where Nineveh is, it is placed in between two rivers, and so uh, it, is, uh, it is a, or was a, a, a hub and a large populous area. Kind of, if, if I could compare it to anything today, it kind of reminds me of uh, a modern Day Pittsburgh. You know, if you've ever been to Pittsburgh, you know that Pittsburgh has waterways that kind of run right into the city. If you notice, a lot of major cities, I know Nashville does as well, has a lot of waterways, uh, and so you, you can you can kind of follow along with that. But that's one of the reasons that Nineveh was also a large area was because of the two rivers that ran right into it. It was a popular destination. It was a destination that uh, brought a lot of wealth to the area. Uh, however. However, Nineveh was known for its great sin. It was known for, to be a, an area of high violence. It was not an area that you wanted to pick up and move your kids to, per se. It, it was an area that you wanted to get out of. It was a lot uh, like we talked about um, in Nehemiah. You know, kind of the same deal. Everybody had moved out of the city. Remember that they had moved away. They had gotten away. They'd got, they wanted to get to a, an area that was safe. So Nineveh had plenty of challenges. We know that there's wicked people there. We know it's a great city. But we know that God is sending his servant Jonah and assuring him that he would give him the message. So God challenged Jonah. He challenged Jonah. I, you know, you have, to, you have to be careful in this Christian life of uh, the, the, the differences of being comfortable and being challenged, okay? Being comfortable and being challenged. Uh, some people are up for a challenge, right? I'm, I'm a competitive person by nature, so I, I'm, I'm okay with a good challenge. I'm fine with that. Um, coming to Forest, Mississippi is a was a great challenge for me and my family. You, you may not believe so, but it's a great, I mean, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. Learning roads and learning names and learning Everything, literally learning everything when you know nothing, you have to learn everything and so but to be quite honest with you listen hey i could have I could have taken a church somewhere else and been comfortable could have done that i i had a I had a church in Tennessee, I could have preached there until the day I died would have been there would have been comfortable would have been you know just they, they, they would have had me forever, but hey, sometimes God says. you can sit over here and be comfortable if you want to, but I got a really good challenge for you over here. I got something planned for you over here, and it's really going to challenge you. It's going to force you to step out. And so here's Jonah. He's thinking, well, you know, matter of fact, he, he doesn't want the challenge so much so that he's doing everything to try to get away from the challenge. But I want you to know, church, listen, listen very carefully. The will of God, okay, the will of God will never, ever, never, lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and where the power of God can't use you, all right? The will of God, it will never lead you to a place to where the grace of God cannot keep you there and that the power of God cannot use you there. He just won't do it. He's not gonna lead you somewhere he can't use you and he can't keep you. So we see second chances. Secondly, I want you to see A spiritual takeover here, verses 3 through 10. So Jonah, what does he do? He arose, he went into Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, there we see that mentioned again, of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried, and he said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You see that in verse 4? Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and he covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast Herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed nor drink water. But let man, verse 8 says, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence. From the violence, that's where we see that this is a violent place. From the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, and they turned from their evil ways, and God repented of the evil. And then he had said he would do unto them, and he did not. So a couple of things I want you to see here in this spiritual takeover that takes place. Uh, speaking about how dangerous the Assyrians were to the Ninevites, and talking about how, how violent they were. Jonah is, is, is obviously has God's hand of protection over him. Because to be quite honest with you, the Assyrians could have just done with Jonah what they did with everybody else. They could have just off with his head and just been done with Jonah. Hey, dude, I know you've just been vomited. I know you've been through this little spell here. I know it's taking you a lot to get here, but we're just going to take care of you. They could have done that. But a couple things I want us to see here in this spiritual takeover the first is Jonah's message to Nineveh. He cried. He cried. Why did he cry? Because he had been through a lot. He didn't just wake up and get here, right? He had been through a lot. I mean, he's, he's, he's escaped death. He's, he's been vomiting. I mean, he escaped death. When they threw him out in the water, Jonah just thought he was going to die right there. This is it, right? Just toss me out to sea. Storm will cease, and that's all, that's all she wrote for me. He thought he was going to die. He'd been through a lot, he cried. He said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I love the fact here that Jonah did not waste any time. Let me tell you what we are. We are time wasters. Time wasters. You say, no, no, not me. Not me. We are time wasters. I get a little thing on my phone now. Because it, it's programmed to know me, I get a little thing every Sunday on my little phone. It tells me how much time I spent on my phone last week, if that was an increase or decrease from 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 last week or not. Yada yada yada, yada All that all that all that nice stuff on there that they tell me. And it, and it, every time I see it, I go, "Oh, that's terrible! That's terrible! That's not good! That's that's." Time I could be spending with my family. Time I could be with my kids. Time I could be praying. Boy, if I just take my cell phone time and make it my praying time, ain't no telling what God would do. We're time, we are time wasters. So so I love the fact that Jonah says, hey, you got 40 days. I'm here on loan. Here I am. Imagine if I'd walked in here and said that. Boy, y'all would have really looked at me like I had just come off a spaceship. If I got up here my first day and said, all right, y'all got 40 days. God just called me here and said, you got 40 days. I don't know what that means, but you're going to be overthrown in 40 days. Jonah said, hey, we ain't got time to mess around here. There, there 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 ain't no playing around time. He was urgent. He was urgent. He said, let's get down to business. Church, if we're honest, that should be our same heart. God could come back Right now. The Lord could come back right now. If that's not urgent, I don't know what is. He said 40 days. Now you think about the number and the significance of 40 throughout Scripture. He didn't just... This wasn't just some random go around here. We know that uh, um, when we talk about the ark, it rained what? 40 days and 40 nights, right? When the, the, the spies went into Canaan... They were in Canaan for 40 days. We know that when they were in the wilderness, what were they in the wilderness for? 40 years, right? 40 years. We know that Goliath, big bad Goliath, who who couldn't even withstand a slingshot, he was such a bad dude. But we know that Goliath, he went and what did he do? He taunted the army for 40 days. 40 days. He went out there every single day for 40 days and taunted them. So 40 obviously has a very important significance through scripture. We see here that Jonah tells Nineveh, tells the Ninevites, you got 40 days. Now, um, let's, let's also look at Jonah's message to God. We see Jonah's message to Nineveh. Hey, you got 40 days. The time's ticking. Okay. Time's ticking. It's time, time for urgency. I don't know if you all ever, ever do, uh, timers in your house or not, but uh, we we do them with the kids at bedtime sometimes when they want to stay up. So we set our timer. We say, "All right, you got five minutes," and we set that little timer. And when that when it's five minutes, it's five minutes. But God said, "Hey, y'all got 40 days." Imagine if we just had that on. Uh, I mean, think about this for a second. You say, "Well, well, well what's the significance of that? How much difference?" And, and I know. Listen, I'm I'm asking you use your imagination here for just a minute, okay? Because I know good and well, Scripture tells us we don't know when he's going to return. We don't have a clue. But just for just, ima- for just a second, imagine what if we did know? What if we did know it was next Tuesday? How much would that change things? Churches would be packed, right? Churches would be packed. Next Sunday, they'd be packed. Now, they wouldn't have been packed, you know, leading all the way up till. But if they knew it was going to happen next week, boy, they'd be packed next Sunday, right? they'd have to get that last last little prayer in. You know, I I, I, I say that because the the urgency, whether you know or whether you don't know, shouldn't change. Because the fact of the matter is we don't know, but our urgency should not change regardless of it. it should be the same as if we did know. So Jonah's message to God here Thankfully, they matched Jonah's urgency. Jonah was urgent, and then what happens? Jonah's message to God, they they didn't wait 40 days. They said, why do we need to wait 40 days? We can get right with the Lord right now. We don't have to wait 40 days. This is what I love about this message, verse 4. Look back at verse 4, chapter 3. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried, said, Yet 40 days, and none of us shall be overthrown. And so the people of Nineveh, in verse 5, believed God. It didn't say they waited till day 39. It didn't say they waited till, you know, the last week. It said the people of Nineveh believed God. So much so that in verse 6, the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and believed as well. The people of Nineveh believed, and they cried mightily unto God, that word mightily, as they cried out to God, that word mightily literally means urgently, urgently, I cried out to God. Everything that we are doing is in an urgent matter, everything. I, I, I get, I, and I, hey, listen, I'm guilty of this, guilty, numero one right here, guilty. I need to go visit somebody. I need to go talk with somebody. I'll catch them them next week. What if they don't have next week? What if they don't? And I'm guilty of that. Listen, church, listen, I I don't stand up here any more holier than thou than you, okay? I, I, I fight with the same... Listen, one thing we all have in common. Number one, we're all sinners, okay? Number two, we all have the same amount of hours and seconds in the day, every single one of us. Unless y'all figured out some way that y'all get an extra hour in there, let me know, because I could use one for my sleep, okay, every once in a while. But if y'all could get an extra hour, let me know. But we all get the same amount of time. So our urgency should be of importance. It should be important. And then, then lastly, we see God's message. We've seen Jonah's message to Nineveh, You've got 40 days. We've seen Jonah's message to God. Hey, the people of God have believed. They're crying out. Jonah is telling God they're crying out mightily. And then we see God's message in verse 10. And God saw their works. Church, God is very much alive and active today. He's not dormant, He's not playing peekaboo with the church. He is alive and he is watching us. He's watching you. He's watching me. He sees us. God saw their works, verse 10 says. That's important. Now if you see in verse nine, it it also mentions, and and I don't, I don't particularly don't, don't, don't y'all, don't y'all. Don't y'all get mad at me about this, okay? I don't particularly love how King James has translated this here because just someone reading this and not studying it, okay? Now, there's a difference in reading the Bible and studying the Bible. I'm trying to help you here, okay? Don't get mad at me. But in verse 9, if you're just reading the Bible, it would make it appear as if God would repent. It says, who can tell if God will turn and repent? Well, God can't repent, okay? God has nothing to repent of. He's perfect. He doesn't have to repent. It says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil ways, and God repented of the evil, verse 10 says. Now, probably a, a better way to look at that, and if you study the context of this, and if you study the Hebrew of this, the, the, the better way to look at that would be um, that God allowed another opportunity, okay? Okay? God didn't repent. God didn't change his mind. You say, well, how do you know God didn't change his mind? Well, if God, we, we, just, we just read it, right? He, he gave Jonah a second chance. And what was the message in Jonah's second chance? Go to Nineveh, right? God didn't change his mind. He told him to do exactly what he had him to do the first time when he should have been obedient. But some people that just read this, and the only reason I mention this to you is because I've seen people that have tried to use this specific verse to discredit God and who He is and 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 His Word, but God doesn't have to repent of anything. God doesn't change His mind. God, we know is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, next Thursday, six months from now. He's the same. Okay, He's the same. But in looking at this text here, it's just it's just helpful to us to know that what He's trying to say here is that the people, the people have turned from their ways, okay? And ultimately, the main focus in verse 10 here is that God sees that. God sees that. They'll see it. I want to uh, um, say that, you know, again, God gave Jonah a second chance, but listen very carefully, okay? God also gave Nineveh a second chance right here. That's another second chance, God didn't just give the second chance to Jonah. He had also given the second chance to Nineveh. He said, hey, here it is. You've got 40 days. Here's your opportunity. And they turned and God saw their works. I know, church, sometimes, sometimes it may appear as if God is distant. I know sometimes it may appear as if God is not working. It may appear as if as if why would God do some of the things that he does, but I can assure you that God sees everything. God takes care of everything. God is in charge of everything. There's not anything that that escapes him at any time. So church, I want to close with this. Just ask a couple questions tonight, and we're going into our time of invitation, okay? A couple things. How easily things fall in place when we do what God wants us to do. I mean think about that. We, we this this whole book of Jonah right here. And 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 what I what I love about it is that we don't know a whole lot about Jonah's ministry in Nineveh. It doesn't tell us a whole lot. We just we don't, we don't know. We other than what we just read right there that he he that we know that, that God would give him the word. We know that he would go to the to the Ninevites, to Nineveh, and say, you've got 40 days. He would challenge them. Well, that's, that's about the extent of what we know. But think about everything we had to do to get to that point, right? Everything. All the disobedience, everything. I, so what God revealed to me, what, what, what God told me through this, Uh, Jonah chapter 3 here is how easily things fall in place when we do what God wants us to do. Listen, you want a a marriage to fall in place? Do it how God expects you to do it. You want a a household or a family that falls in line with how God expects it to be, what God says about it, do it the way that God expects it to be done. How how easily things fall in place when we do what God expects expects us to do and then also as i mentioned earlier the will of god will never lead you where the grace of god can't keep you and the power of god can't use you keep that in mind heads bowed eyes closed tonight church i just want to ask you maybe god has an area of your life that he's waiting on you to be obedient There are so many different messages that could be preached from this text. The, the second chances, the, the opportunities that come about with this. <clears throat> but I just wonder tonight, maybe you've got an area in your life that God is waiting on you to be obedient. Maybe He's already got the blessing for you over here. Maybe He already knows what's coming up over here. Maybe He's literally just waiting on you to be obedient. I don't ever want want to get to heaven and the Lord tell me, oh, Addison, I had this over here for you, but you just weren't obedient. I want to do my very best to walk with him and to be obedient in every aspect of my life. So tonight as we sing, maybe you need to come down to this altar and maybe as I said with Jonah, maybe... Maybe the Lord hasn't spoken to you through His Word in some time. Maybe you do have something in your life, in your heart. Maybe you do have something that you need to, to turn over to Him tonight. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Be urgent, just like Jonah. Be urgent. Take care of it tonight. Get it settled so you can walk in the ways that He has for you, so you can accomplish the things that He has before you. Maybe you're here tonight. And you need to just come to this altar and pray and thank the Lord for a second chance that He's given you. Maybe a third chance, a fourth chance. Most of us in this room, that can be our testimony. God gave us chance after chance and we we should be thankful that He has. So tonight as we sing, if you need to come and do business with the Lord, you don't hesitate, you be urgent, we're not gonna prolong things, you come down to this altar and you do business with the Lord. If you need some